You're listening to the Collective Church Podcast. To learn more about the Collective Church in Portland, Oregon, and Vancouver, Washington, visit us online at thecollectivechurch.com. So I'm going to read you a word that I posted on October 15th. This was one of those, you know, sometimes I have dreams and I'm like, okay, going to have to write that down, pray through it. What does that mean? This one, I love when God does this. He just gives me something in my sleep. And in my sleep, I know it's a prophetic word for the body of Christ. Like I actually know it in my sleep. And that was one of these. So I'm just going to read it to you how I wrote it. This was October 15th, which I think was Friday. I always shake before I open. That is what I heard in my sleep. I heard that phrase. I always shake before I open. He He was defining the order of things. I always shake and then I open. Okay, so what does that mean? Then I saw what looked like a glass container, like salad dressing. It was like a salad dressing container. And it was being shaken quite aggressively, mixing the oil and other ingredients together before the lid was opened. It made sense to me because that's what we do before we use salad dressing. The emphasis was this, shaking comes first, opening comes second. I sensed God's loving kindness in this. I knew that he was sharing something helpful to us. Don't be discouraged by the shaking. This is my process before opening a new season. This is my process before opening a new door. The devil sifts us, but God shakes us. There's a difference. In the sifting, the enemy steals from us, and then God restores it. But in the shaking, that's totally different. God awakens us, breaks off what is not of him, whether it be fear, doubt, unbelief, maybe the spirit of mammon, breaks bondages and salvages his greatest treasures. If you are in the shaking now or headed into a shaking, just know that the enemy would like you to believe it is him sifting you. So we lost our entire business in 2019, we were shaken violently. What appeared and felt like a disaster was actually a blessing. The doors for more blessing opened after the violent shaking. Just when you think you are going through something terrible, dot, 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 are you? That's the question. I am prophesying that God is shaking you to open and uncap you. The shaking can be unnerving because the lid is still over you. You are still feeling confined and limited. It'd be one thing if during the shaking, new territory just showed up, right? And new things and new blessing. But the shaking is just, it's, it's the part where you feel completely helpless. There are no answers. There, it, nothing makes sense in the shaking. Ann and Dusty and I were talking about an illustration that they used in marriage counseling for years, and they had a jar sitting on their desk that the water was crystal clear looking through it. Crystal clear. And I was like, yeah, I have total clarity. But then they took the jar and shook it up, and at the bottom was a layer of dirt. And when it was shaken, you couldn't see anything, right? And so sometimes in that, we are saying, okay, there's nothing good. There's nothing good about this marriage. There's nothing good about this situation because I have no clarity. Right? That's how it feels in the shaking. It feels like God has deserted us. 
Can anybody bear witness to this this morning? Is anybody going through a shaking? How about by a raise of hands, tell me who's going through a shaking right now? Yeah, every single person, okay. In the dream, when the lid came off after the shaking, I knew that the emphasis was shake first while being contained, then limits come off second. We have many biblical references for this, but the one that comes to mind is when Paul and Silas are unlawfully put in prison, confined to chains in the deepest cell of the jail. They were beaten on their bare backs for preaching the gospel in Rome, wrongly accused of pushing their agenda outside of their citizenship. And the truth is, they became a threat to the profitability of the witchcraft business in town by casting a demon out of a fortune teller. Do you guys remember the story? They were beaten and put in prison, and guess what? They were wrongly accused. This was an unjust thing. They were Roman citizens. They were put in jail because they were accused of being out, citizens outside of Rome, coming into Rome as foreigners and pushing the gospel. So on the account of them not being Roman citizens, they were beaten on their backs, barebacks, then put in the innermost cell chained up, and then guess what they do? Do you guys remember what they did next? They worship, that's exactly right. But here is what we wanna point out. Beaten and bound in chains, they began to worship. And the Passion Translation actually says that chained and bound, they were undaunted. You look up that word undaunted, I had to look that up because that word just punched me in the face. Like, whoa, I don't know if I'd be undaunted. I'd be probably asking God, where are you? What's happening? You've left me for dead. But they were undaunted, meaning they were not discouraged by hardship. Undaunted, not being discouraged in hardship. You just heard Gary talk about that. So they began to worship, singing songs of praise to God while all the other prisoners listened to them. That was probably shocking. How could people praise God after being physically abused and illegally arrested? I mean, can you imagine the other prisoners going, we certainly weren't praising God when we got in here. <laughs> and they were not worshiping. But what happens to the people who aren't worshiping? Do you remember what happened to them? They worshiped, and then what happened? A great shaking came. The earth shook. There was an earthquake, there was a shaking. And then, what happened next? The chains fell off, the doors fling open for everybody. For everybody, and he's asking the church of the living God right now to embrace and engage in the shaking with a voice of worship, with a heart that is repositioned to worship. And what gets ugly, I mean, I can't think of anything more debilitating and disempowering and out of control than being chained. For those of you that are being forced to get the vaccine, the reason you feel so defeated is because you're being chained. But if we follow God's process of shaking and opening, there is a repositioning of our heart and our outlook. I believe that the other prisoners could have worshiped 
and it would have shook and opened up. But these guys had to come in. Paul and Silas had to come in with a heart that was positioned second to a God that was still good, still in control, not intimidated by what was going on, and he had a plan all along. And all the prisoners were let free. And a lot of cool stuff happened after that. You'll have to read this. This is Acts 16. I believe that if you and I worship the king, especially when being persecuted, we will see a shaking and an opening. We are going into a shaking, and the enemy would want you to believe he is winning. But this dream, I believe, is a word that has gone out ahead of you and even ahead of the enemy and is calming your fears and giving you insight to the Lord's process of how new doors and blessing are open. Let him shake. Do not be afraid of the shaking. In fact, you can get excited. You can get excited about the shaking. But when the shaking happens, that means God is doing something. See, as Americans, we have not been raised to embrace adversity. We have been wired and, and, and raised to be in control and produce a pleasant outcome. Nothing wrong with that. But if that is our only context, that that's, that's, God is good because that's happening, then we don't really understand. We have not been in the scriptures. We haven't seen how God turns people upside down and then shows up and says, here I am to save the day. And so there's this place of completely letting go of control. I have a really, really close friend who um, had, a, had a terrible time in his marriage. Him and his wife got divorced. And, you know, sometimes that happens. And God will redeem. He'll do wonderful things. But he woke up one day and went, whoa, wait a minute. What are we doing? And God turned his heart. And he's like, God, I want, I want my marriage back. I want my marriage back. And so he's texting Bob and I, and we're going back and forth. And all I can text back is, let go. Because he's like, okay, I'm going to go back. I'm going to talk to her, and we're going to fix it, and we're going to fix it, and then we're going to get her back. And I'm like, stop. <laughs> because this is trying to be God. And that is the tricky part, is am I trying to be God? Am I trying to fix and control and get the outcome I'm after? And he said he had a dream that he was drowning. And so he was swimming to the surface, and the more he tried to get to the surface, the more he sunk. And he said the only way to float to the surface to get oxygen was to completely let go, and his body would begin to float to the top. And then his mouth got oxygen. And I said, you're going to need to hang on to that dream. Because it is completely counterintuitive to the world we live in. The world we live in says, take control, grab the bull by the horns, grab the wheel, go forward. And hey, I'm a driven person. I get it. I understand. But there is something that the enemy wants to steal from us when he says, yeah, go ahead. Drive that. Get in front of that. You should make that happen. You need to make that happen. In fact, you're not really valuable until you produce that. Until you save that, produce that, fix that. I am challenging this church to let go and let God see what happens. In the shaking, let go 
and just say, well, I mean, when we moved to Crestview, we have a $3 million property. And that was miraculous how we got in there with the down payment. And, you know, people are like, okay, how are we doing? You know, as I pray, I give it to God. And I'm like, but it's his problem. I mean, the mortgage isn't my problem. It is not my problem. Because this life is the one I got after I died. This wasn't the one I had planned. I had plans for way other things. And when I died and let go and floated to the surface, God plopped us into this life, which we absolutely love. But there are big problems that are not my problem. I mean, I, and my kids, they were freaking out. They're like, well, what if this and what if that? And what if this and what? I'm like, if I'm not worried, why are you worried? <laughs> and I said, let's play this out. We can't play the mortgage at Crestview. We have to go back to the Foursquare Church that's holding the note for us and say, well, you know, we can't pay it. What, what would you like us to do? Worst case response, they say, we need it back. And we go, okay. And I said, look, they have this super upgraded property. Like, what a blessing to them, right? That'd be awesome for them. They could sell it for way more. They could, they could do incredible things with it. And then God would just have to figure out what to do with Bob and Jenny next. And that wouldn't be my problem either. <laughs> but when you're alive in your flesh and you're alive in control and you're alive and you're behind the wheel, you are now carrying the responsibility of the blueprints of your life, which you are not the architect of. And it's like, shoot, I didn't factor on the pipes that were supposed to go this way in that load-bearing wall. And oh, no. Like, we are not built to be God of our own lives. That is what this book is about. This book is to convince you in 248 pages, wherever it is, to let go, let God, and let him infuse you with power from on high to live a life that is anointed, that breaks chains, and you can live in another dimension. You don't have to live here on earth having to control everything in your life. So last night when Bob said, hey, you're preaching, wake up, dad, I said, okay, well, what do you want, what, like, what do you want, there's 250 pages, what do you want me to preach on? And he said, well, what haven't you preached on yet? And I said, everything past chapter one. So what do you want me to do? And um, then I realized, wait a minute, the introduction, so we're going back. But in the introduction, I give this story, and I'll give it to you here, and then I'm, and then I'm gonna pray for us. Um, but... When Hannah was probably, you know, she's 18 now, when she was, I don't know, eight or nine, we went to the American Girl store in Seattle. And how many moms have bought their child an American Girl? Okay, so you, Bob says, oh man. <laughs> okay, so they are well known for their nostalgia, their, you know, and, and mainly their price tag. And when you buy this doll, you can't believe you're buying a $100 doll. Okay, because you could go to Target, get the lookalike, but somehow your kid knows. So anyway, back when she was little, the thing about American Girl, and this has been for years and years and years, I guess they've been around for decades, but you, the, the whole thing was that you walk in and they have all these dolls lined up and you go and pick the one that looks like you. Okay, so, you, so we went in there and Hannah's blonde, so the blonde, the blue eyes, and you pick the one that's a lookalike doll. And so there was something about, like, I have a little mini me type of thing, okay? So get the doll, little Hannah, whatever, I don't remember what her name was. And I am in their bedroom one day, and 
in the closet trying to sort chaos out. And little plastic Hannah is upside down in the corner. And I'm like, hmm, you know. <laughs> if it was $10, it, the emotions wouldn't be there. But it wasn't $10, it was $100. So I'm like, okay, pick up the doll. And I'm like straightening her hair out, putting her clothes back together, you know, put her up on the dresser. Like, you will be enjoyed in this family. <laughs> so we set her up, you know, here we are. And immediately I heard the Lord say, and I'm going to read it just how I wrote it. If I can find the introduction. Shouldn't be hard. It says right there. This is what I heard when I looked at that doll. I heard the Lord say, this is how some people treat me. When they need me, they want me to take on their image instead of them taking on my image. So when people get saved, um, somehow this message of you're no longer the God, you're going to step into his image, and somehow the American Jesus is the one that looks like us. They bring me out to play when I can entertain them, but I get put away when they are bored with me. My value is often forgotten about. And that's what I heard him say. And I didn't know quite what to do with that, but I knew that my heart was grieved. And he said, this is the American Jesus, the one that looks like, the one where people want me to look like them. Like, God, I have this business. I have these plans. And I just need you to put your fairy dust on it. And I just need you to bless me, bless my plans, bless what I'm doing, bless my emotions. God forbid I have a bad day and have to rely on you. Just make sure that you're doing what I need you to do because then that would make you good. Yikes. Do you know that the gospel is the literal opposite of that? Yeah. Is us bearing his image. Yeah. And whatever image we had doesn't matter. Because our true image, the image that we were wo woven in our mother's womb was the one of Christ himself. So when we bear his image, we're actually being our true selves. It is our truest identity to look like him, to operate like him, to love like him. Do you know that the human body has nothing inside of it to process negativity? We are not wired for anything but heaven. That's why it's called dis-ease. So when we're stressed out, feeling guilty, feeling shameful, and that's not the image of Christ because Christ went to the cross, there is no guilt, there is no shame, there is no condemnation, there actually is no stress because we're just in heaven and I have a father and he's taking care of me. But when we come out of bounds and we start operating in being our own God, our physical body actually doesn't have anything to say, oh, that's oh, that's her trying to be God, so I'm going to go ahead and take that, I'm going to squash that negativity, I'm going to get it out of the cells of the body. So our body takes on dis-ease, which is disorder, meaning heaven is here, but I'm standing over here. So this morning, I said, okay, God, you need to tie this up in a bow. We have a whole book. We have prophetic words. We have dreams. Where are we headed? Anne said, I can't wait to hear your message. I said, yeah, me too. See what God says. So I had to ask God, what do you want to do this morning? And this is what he downloaded in me. Very, very simple. It was this question, and it was a question for you. Will you let me reposition you?
Will you let me reposition you? I want to tell the people who have been radically repositioned in the last two years, and you're like, whew, everybody else better catch this message. I got repositioned. You need to get repositioned. He's actually talking to you too. We are all, including myself, this day on October 17th, 2021, he is saying and asking, Heather, can I reposition you? Now, I don't know where he's going to reposition Heather. Heather might not even know. It might be in her own perspective of her authority in this church. It might be something to do with her kids. It might be something to do with how she thinks about herself or her future or her past. It, who knows? Reposition is a very broad invitation. Maybe even reposition, when the shaking happens, will your heart not be positioned towards negativity, but can I reposition your heart towards worship? I don't know how he's going to reposition you, but he is asking for permission. Can I reposition you? This is where I feel like we are prophetically in the body of Christ. I feel right now, and I say this every time I get up here, because it's just what God is saying to me through me, and that is... We are at the Jordan River. We are crossing over to the promised land. And the people who have been worshiping him and have been, have, have been making him their God are the ones who are looking at the giants in the promised land going, well, God, that's your problem, but we're going in. You, you, you kill that giant. I believe you. I trust you, God. But the ones who have been their own God and worshiping things that cannot save them and cannot come through for them and cannot kill their giants, they are not going to be advanced. They're, they're not advancing in 2022. There are going to be a ton of people that are left behind in their destiny. I'm just telling you, I saw like a, it's going to be, there they go, or there they go. I was holding a mug this morning, and this is just, this mug, every time I drink out of it, I'm like, this is so dumb. This mug is so dumb. And because it says class of 2020, now, the reason that's dumb is because I bought it for my daughter. You know, you're in Home Goods and you're in that big long line, and they, you know, somehow you buy a candle or whatever you buy in those aisles, and you're like, I have to have that. I'm so glad this is here. So I saw this mug, class of 2020. It's Christmas. I'm putting it in her stocking. I go to put it in her stocking the night before Christmas, and I'm like, hold on. She's not graduating in 2020. <laughs> She's a class of 2021. Lost track of time. And I'm like, no wonder this mug was so cheap. Dang it. So needless to say, she did not take it with her to college because it was completely irrelevant to her. And it's still in our cabinet because it matches. Okay, let's be honest. Um, but I was drinking it out of this morning and I, I just felt prophetically, uh, I heard the Lord say, I wonder how many people graduated what I was doing in them in 2020 because 2020 was quite a year. And then he said, but you know what I did in 21? I gave a whole bunch of kids who school just went, he's like, it's okay. Let's just try math again. Let's just 2021. We're just going to start over. And he said, 2020 was like a, some people, some people got there. Not very many people graduated in letting me be God. So 2021 has been like, let's just try again. Let's just do it again. And I'm going to shake you violently. And he said, but 2022, we're off to the races. 
it is going to be a running with Jesus year. But we won't run with somebody we don't trust, and we won't run with somebody who we're saying, run with me, God. Come on, look alike. Come on, I'm going to be in front. You do what I want to do. You know what? God does not fall for that. He doesn't look up and go, what am I doing following you? No. He just goes, okay, let me know how that works out for you. We smack into something. Some of us have to smack into something a lot. Let's be honest. How many of you in here say, I have to learn the hard way. It's just how I made. Ah." Okay, that's okay. That's okay. Just say, God, get me to the point where I get it. I am not God of my own life. In fact, you've not even asked me to. You've not asked me to figure this thing out. You've asked me to obey. That's it. And to have one foot of obedience, of faith. The next step, faith. I trust you, God. Faith isn't like a superpower Christian, like, I'm awesome, I have faith. No, this is what faith is. God is in control. He's good. He will not leave me for dead. God is in control. He's good. He will not leave me for dead. God, you have something for me that I haven't anticipated. You have the mystery. I am going to step into your mystery. And the fact that I don't get to know everything means that I'm being a daughter. I am being a son. I do talk about dying to understanding in here because I have seen that trip people up. Like, as if Peter was, you know, Jesus, if that's you, bid me to come. But first, I literally need to know the scientific process for how I am not going to sink. And when I understand that, I'm totally getting out of this boat. (laughs) Jesus, if you follow Jesus, he didn't help people understand. He said, come follow me. You'll see how this is all going to turn out. This is not advanced Christianity. I just want you to know. (laughs) This is just Christianity. (laughs) Is following Christ. But if some of us have been duped by the American Jesus that's a self-help guru, he's a self-help lookalike God, then we just need to back up and say, I'm getting repositioned. This Jesus of mine, he is not just somebody who's going to make sure I get in heaven. He is not fire insurance. He is not insurance that I don't go to hell. This God is walking with me 24-7. I tell people all the time, when you get in in your covers at night, he just tucks himself right with you and watches over you and watches over the things. My, My daughter, this is so cool. She texts me. She goes, Mom, I got this app that um, it, it tracks your sleep and all this. And then she said, but it will send you a voice clip in the morning if you talked in your sleep. <laughs> Isn't that funny? And I don't know the name of the app. Sorry, don't ask me because I don't know. I didn't ask. I should have. But she sends me the voice clip. And the voice clip is, I love to worship so much. And if you guys know Hannah, you know, that's what she loves to do. She's been in Southern California. She's not on a worship team. She is serving the worship team through all the stuff that goes behind the scenes. She's stacking chairs. She's, if you saw her right now on Sunday service, she has the little headset on. She's interacting with people that are getting saved online and she's having a blast. But her spirit is like, I love to worship. (laughs) 
you know? So we prophesy in our sleep. God is always over the top of us. And what God was doing was reminding her, Hannah, it's okay. It's okay that you're not worshiping right now because you love to worship. Don't think that you don't love to worship and that's how you're going to get through this season. Oh, it's okay. It's not that fun. I'll just stay here. No, he was saying, no, Hannah, you love to worship because he was keeping that dream in her alive. He's breathing on the things that are inside of us, even when we're asleep. See, he's so in control. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? It is so amazing. But here's the thing. Lastly, okay? And I think the worship team is going to come up. Yeah? Come on up. So, sure. Why not? (laughs) Sounds like a good idea. So, I believe that a couple of things. I'm going to talk about my daughter Eden for a second. She's the one who, when she says stuff, God is always like, pay attention. She's speaking for the body of Christ right now. And... This is actually in my still book, this story, but she was on the edge of a pool when she was about three and I was standing there and I'm like, okay, jump to mom. And she is, she's just a powerful kid. She's just, she's one of those that she would be her own God. And I'm really glad that God's helping me live out my own experience so I can model strength in second, like there's safety in being second. But she would be first if, if somebody let her, if anybody let her, okay? Um, but that's, that's, that's an amazing way that she's built, but she will live a life of stress if she's first and just break down and it'll be awful. So I'm saying, jump to mom, jump to mom. And she's like, how do I know you'll catch me? I'm like, what kid asked this question? Like all these other kids are jumping to their parents and swimming and underwater. Like why, what, why are we doing this right now? And she's like, no, 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 I, I, I need to know you're going to catch me. And I have no history of dropping her. I have no history of like, whoops, remember that one time you almost drowned? Like there's no reference to me not being, you know, dependable. And so I just, we went back and forth a couple times and I'm like, I am arguing with a three-year-old. This is dumb. So I said, Holy Spirit, what's going on in her right now? And he said, she's just gonna have to experience your faithfulness. And so I said, honey, you're gonna know that I will catch you when I do. That's how you're gonna know. You're not gonna know before you jump. And God is continually to use that for me. Like, well, here goes nothing, your problem, right? Because I am stepping into the unknown, which is water above here, can't breathe, help, right? And the other day, and and this is, go ahead and stand to your feet. The other day, we're gonna pray and worship. She, she said something, I was like, okay, number one, that's hilarious. But number two, you are prophesying right now. And I was asking her, she's six now. And I said, Eden, do you, do you like, do you like music? Do you like to sing? Do you like to draw? I was trying to pull out of her things that she might do in the body of Christ. You know, where are her giftings going to land? And I like to ask my kids those questions before they feel an obligation to serve God. (laughs) Instead of just being who you are and expressing that and serving the body that way. So I was asking her, like, do you like, do you want to sing? Do you want to do instruments? Do you want to, um, do you like to serve coffee? Do you like to do this? Do you like to do that? And I was kind of like pressing her to, to put her hand to something. I know she's only six, but you know, these conversations are important. And so she goes, huh? She goes, I just like the coffee. (laughs) Literally said that. And I laughed because I do give her coffee between first and second service. Just a confession. We have a little deal. I just told us, I get your coffee after second, first service. It's just a little bit of coffee. Every time we have a new person back there, they're like, are you really giving her coffee? And I'm like, I am. And it's for you and I's benefit that I do this. It's a very, very small thing 
for a big reward. So, but, but the Lord said, no, Jenny, there's a lot of people that that's kind of, that's kind of where they're at in the body of Christ. They just, they're, they're like, I love the collective, love the coffee. And that's about it. (laughs) And God is saying, I actually have so much more for you. I have so much more. There's so much more in you, actually, that God wants to shake and squeeze out of you because there's something so special, not just for inside this building, but outside this building, there's something that the world needs that's an anointing that's going to break chains off of them. But we usually won't give that special thing, that anointed thing, that potency, until we've been through the process of the shaking, which is the fermentation. It's the process of feeling like you're going to die, okay? (laughs) So I guess this is just a little bit of like a, hey guys, God's going to shake us violently. We could be afraid, or we could say, yeah, God. Yeah, thank you, Holy Spirit, that I can trust you. I'm turned upside down. I was in this clear jar. I could see it so clear. And now I'm feel like I'm in the wash cycle. And then I'm in the dryer cycle. (laughs) Is it ever going to end? Listen, what's on the other side of letting go and just letting him shake you is a new door. It's a new opening. I can guarantee it. I can promise it. How many of you, by a raise of hand, say, hold on a minute. I think I've been this way before. I think God has shaken me in my life. And if I recollect and remember, he came through for me. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Yeah, every one of you. Okay, right now, you're supposed to remember. I remember complaining to God going, oh, I've never been here before. I've not been this way before. And he goes, no, you've done this. We've done this before. Remember the... And then I came through and I was like, oh... He's like, that's your reference. Your reference is I have never left you for dead. However, for those of you that are wrestling with your own self and you're swimming in the pool and only sinking more, is it time to try something different? Is it time to just say, you know what? I'm tired. I'm just going to let go and let my father not this religion, not my church, not the message on Sunday. I'm going to let my father take care of me. Go ahead and close your eyes. And I just want you to put your palms up and open to the Lord. I just believe right now that if you invite the Holy Spirit to come and rest on you, just invite him with your own voice. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. We know your presence is the best. The best place to be is your presence. So Father, we're asking you to come and still the waters. Father, I ask you right now for every willing vessel in this place, including the leadership, including the worship, including myself, including the newest person through the doors today, Father, I'm asking you, Lord, for the courage to believe that you have our lives figured out. And if we let go, it is to our benefit. Father, we let you be in control. We let you be God. Yeah, we're just repositioning him right now, where we stand and where he stands. 
the issues and the turbulence in your life right now, I want you to see God right now coming up and above the turbulence right now. Higher, higher, higher. He is reigning and ruling over the turbulence. And he is inviting us to let go. Do you know if you let go of something that you don't want to let go of, if it's meant to be in your life, do you know that he'll give it right back to you? So we don't ever have to be afraid that we lost something because we weren't God in the first place. So Father, I thank you that you've called us to risk the idea that we are in control of our lives and that we can trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Lastly, here's the deal. I know I said lastly like three times, but that's just kind of part of being up here. Um, the world is not going to be won over by people who are controlling and fixing and have like outcomes. And I like the idea of being this successful, so that's what I'm going to do. Like, the world is not going to be won over by a whole bunch of people controlling and producing life and fixing them because you need to you need to be better, you need to be a Christian. The world is going to be won over when they see a people who are in union with God, who are not in control, who are like, yeah, I'm, I'm leaving my job. I love you guys so much, and I'm just going to see what God does next. Oh, they'll be following you. They'll be watching. And then all of a sudden, you get upgraded into this other place, and you're like, wow, thank God I didn't hold on to fear. This is awesome where I'm at right now. And the reason I can say that is because that's my testimony. That's my testimony. The world is looking for a people who are not trying to be God, but who believe him and come up under him and say, yeah, my God's going to come through. In fact, he'll come through for you too. And we have so much faith in him that we can step into somebody's chaotic world and go, that's okay. You can call on God. He'll help you too. That's going to win the world over. And we are going to be a united front in that. We're going to be united in our repositioned heart that we can trust God. Imagine a movement of people who trust God so deeply that other people are like, whoa, those people. Like, I see Kristen up here worshiping this morning, and I'm like, that girl has lost a baby. I've seen what she's walked through. I've seen the violent storms. I've seen the shaking. I've seen the sifting. And I've seen her lay down herself and let herself become a puddle of tears, her and her husband and her whole family. And to see you guys rise up and you don't smell like smoke. The reason I share your story is because people wouldn't believe it. Pastor Clyde saw you a couple months ago and he taps me on the shoulder. He goes, that's not the same girl. He's like, that is not the same girl. And when we see people that are so anointed and they're just victorious, you're going to think it's a personality because that's the American way is 
grit it out, pick it up, get your attitude up. I love all that. That's great. But you know, the anointing comes through the crushing. It comes through the fermentation. It comes through the I'm roadkill. What just happened? And then God boosts us. And somehow he takes a person who gave up on being God and just becomes an empty vessel and he pours himself in us. And suddenly we look like the most victorious person on the planet (laughs) when in actuality we were just crushed to pieces. (laughs) That is the person he wants to use. He wants to use the person that doesn't have to always get their own way, that doesn't have to be God. Amen. So let's worship together. If you are in a situation right now, I want the prayer team to come forward, please. And we're going to pray for anybody that says, listen, I'm in a violent storm. I, I actually have to make decisions about work. I have to make decisions about policies and mandates and different things like this. And I, I, need, I, need, God's vo- I need God to tell me what to do. And I need to let go and allow God to um, have his way in me. And I don't want to get in his way. I don't want to step on my own toes. So if you need any or any prayer for any reason, please come forward. There'll be people standing up here. We want to pray with you and agree with you that God is in control over your life and help position your heart in that position of faith. Thanks for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. To find out more, visit thecollectivechurch.com.